Amen. All right. Notice what it says in verse 26 of Ephesians. It says, Be ye angry, and sin not, and let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. That verse there, be angry and sin not, that's actually uh, not as easy to follow as we think. You know, we all kind of like that verse because, again, it's okay to be angry, you know, but the Bible says, and sin not. Well, when we're angry, we usually want to sin, don't we? That's pretty typical. Uh, but the thing is, it is, I think it's definitely safe to say from this verse, it is not a sin to be angry. You can be angry and not sin. And I'm going to show you several things in the Bible today. Their Christianity today, they've become very weak, very passive. And many people in churches, they're, they're uncomfortable with hard preaching. You know, and even pastors, they just have no desire to take strong stance. When bad things happen, when tough times come, or even when there's persecution, injustice, it's like we're all just supposed to just kind of roll over and take it and just, you know, turn the other cheek, as everybody always wants to say. But, you know, and Christians too who maybe they do get angry about things, they do get fired up about things, they're often criticized. They're often said that they're not being Christ-like. And, the true, and they'll start criticizing them for being angry or whatever and start accusing them of not being a very good Christian. But I'm going to show you from the Bible that there are many emotions that are often considered sinful, and they're not. These things are not bad things. But there are some other truths we need to understand with this. And I was thinking about this because, you know, how many saw the video of the soul winner getting, you know, tackled by the cop and arrested, right? Now, when you, when you watch that, did anybody get angry when you watched that? Alright, I got angry, alright? My blood boiled when I saw that. And I'm, let me tell you something else when I saw that video. Not only did I get angry, I wanted vengeance. I, I still want vengeance. I want that cop to get fired. I want them to get in trouble. I want recompense. That's what I want. And you might say, well, that's not a very Christian attitude. Well, let me tell you something. I believe my attitude is very godly when it comes to that. And this attitude of just being passive and expecting Christians to just roll over and take a beating is garbage. It's not biblical at all. And so um, uh, there's certain emotions that society today and even churches they look down on, they act like they're sin, but they're not. You know, and today, you know, today you can actually act like Christ, and we'll get accused of not being Christ-like. You know, for example, you preach hard when you're not very Christ-like. You know, it's like if these people never read Matthew chapter 23, Jesus preached pretty hard. You call somebody a name, and they'll accuse you of not being Christ-like. It's like really, because Jesus called people names. Quite a bit. You know, he called, you know, he called the Pharisees a generation of vipers. He told them they were going to go to hell. You know, he said, how should he escape the damnation of hell? I mean, Jesus preached hard, but yet when we do it, we're accused of not being Christ-like. How is that? How can people here preaching that's just like Christ, sometimes it's repeating the very words of Christ, and then we get accused of not being Christ-like? I'm glad you asked me that. Turn over to Romans chapter 1, and I'll show you exactly why that happens. I'll show you what's going on. Because I personally think a lot of these emotions that we often feel are Christ-like. And I'm afraid we're, ha- we're letting our humanity get stripped away from us by society. And they're turning, trust, trying to turn, turn us into a bunch of zombies that have no emotions, no will of our own. But look at it, Romans, uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 22. It says, Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man. 
and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. You know why people say we're not being Christ-like? Because they've created another Christ. They have made Him into something like corruptible man. You say, how did they do that? Well, Hollywood's helped them out with that a little bit. You know, you watch any movie with Jesus in it, it's always some effeminate, long-haired, hippie, soft-spoken guy who just doesn't, you know, who's not mean to anybody. That's what we see in Hollywood. But is that what we read in the Bible? Yet we hear people all the time say, you're not godly, you're not Christ-like if you actually get angry. Can you imagine what they would do if they saw one of us take a whip and drive somebody out of a place? You're not Christ-like. Well, really, if I'm like Christ, if I'm, isn't Christ-like doing the things that Christ did? You know, and I've never made a scourge with small cords and drove people out of a, a building. So I guess I'm not very Christ-like. But you know what? You do that, and you're going to be accused of not being Christ-like. You call people names, and they say you're not being Christ-like. Even though I can call people the same names that Jesus called them, and I'm supposedly not being Christ-like, how is that? Because they have changed the glory of an uncorruptible God into an image made like a corruptible man. They have put another Jesus in our heads. That's what they've done this. And because of that, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts. They've created a Jesus that they want. That's what they've done. This is what they like to think Jesus would have been like. They make a Jesus that is like unto them after the lust of their own heart to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You know, how dare we say something against homos? You know, that's just, they were born that way. You know what they are? They're serving the creature more than the Creator. Well, I'm sorry, the Creator said they're an abomination. The Creator said that. So I'm actually being Christ-like. If, if, I'm, if they're abominable to me, that's me being just like God is. They're an abomination to God. And you know what? If I'm going to be Christ-like, they're going to be an abomination to me. But if we preach against them, if we call them an abomination, we're accused of not being Christ-like. How does that make any sense? It only makes sense if these, <coughs> these people are like they are in Romans 1. They've been given over to a reprobate mind. Verse 26, For this cause God gave them up to vile affections, for even their women did change their natural use into that which is against nature. So what's going on today is society has created another Jesus, and you know what? Churches today have accepted that Jesus as the head of their church. The fake Jesus, the effeminate one, the phony one. And these, these preachers, they think they're smarter than God. They think they have better ways. They don't like the Old Testament law. They don't like all the things about execution in there. And so what do they do? They come up with dispensationalism and just kind of throw it out. Even though these things are good, even though these things would help our society if we practice them. They think they know better. They think that our Constitution is better than the Word of God. And I'm sorry, I like our Constitution. I think it's pretty good. I think it's about as good as man can do. But you know what? It doesn't even scratch the surface of what God's Word can do. And the only reason the Constitution is as good as it is is because much of it is based on the Word of God. That's the only reason they got anything right in it is because a lot of it was based on the Word of God. So, you know, we can, what can we learn about Christians today from their interpretation of the Scriptures? We learn where they are in their hearts. We can see how they really think. When they're coming up with a, a Jesus that's just, you know, all for the homos, when they're coming up with an interpretation of Scripture that's all in favor of the homos, we, that, that's very revealing to where they're at in their heart. That shows where they're at. The things that they all notice. 
Isn't it amazing how many people notice that herb yielding seed verse in Genesis and immediately think of pot? You know, it shows where their head's at, doesn't it? You know, I mentioned how you know Keith Gomez, you know, he's like, show me the Bible where God killed people because of sex sins. He can't see that, but yet he sees all these passages about people getting killed for not tithing that just aren't even in the Bible. Where what is that? What do we what do we do from that? You know, what what conclusion do we draw? You know what? That shows us where his heart is. That's what that does. That is very revealing. The way people interpret scriptures is very revealing. And so these people, they're showing us what is in their heart. And you know, they're, it's like they're trying to strip our humanity from us. Turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. Now, everybody likes this verse right here. All right? But I'm going to show you some things about that. I'm hoping this will be a help you. There's a lot of different emotions that we could cover. Uh, you know, we're not going to have time to cover everything, but I think there's some principles that you can learn in here that will help you with a lot of things when it comes to studying your Bible and in your daily life. <clears throat> but Jesus said in Matthew 5, 38, You have heard that it's been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at thy law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and of him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Now when we read that passage, everybody likes that. To turn the other cheek. That's these people's excuses for just being weak and passive and just you know taking a beating, letting the government run them, around, you know, run them through the ringer. And it's just they don't want to retaliate. But listen... The way these people are interpreting the Scripture, it's way different than we are. Okay, Because for example, when Jesus is telling these people, you know, ye have heard been said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Did you all know that an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth mentality, first off, that's what it was in the Old Testament. And second of all, that is a natural thing. It is natural for you to want vengeance. Did you know it is natural for you if you get punched in the nose to want to punch somebody else in the nose? And it's unnatural for you to just to get punched in the nose and just take it. Alright? Now this isn't when he's talking about turning the other cheek here, he's not saying let somebody beat you down, but he's talking about taking an insult. Alright? And he's teaching us this because we do see in the Bible. Where there are there are warnings about retaliation and vengeance, and I'm going to show you this here in the scriptures. Vengeance is not a bad thing as long as it's in its proper place by the proper people. But us, we've got to be careful. We are not supposed to take vengeance into our own hands because we have a sin nature that's very dangerous, and it is appropriate. It is godly for you to want vengeance. But because we have a sin nature, we have to be very careful. We have to be very careful because we tend to, you know, alright, instead of eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, you know, you get one of my eyes, I'm going to get both your eyes. You know, you get one of my teeth, I'm going to get all of your teeth. You know, that's how we are. We tend to take things too far because of our, because of our sin nature. But here's the thing. It is okay and it is normal if somebody does something to you, for you to feel some kind of rage, for you to feel some kind of anger, for you to want some kind of justice. But what Jesus is saying here, you know what, you've got, sometimes though, you've got to be willing to turn the other cheek 
and let God deal with some things. There are some things we do need to let God deal with them. Why? Because it's too dangerous in our hands in our sinful condition. But the anger itself, the vengeance itself, it is not bad. Your desire for those things is not sinful. And I'm going to show you that and I'm going to prove that here in just a minute. So turn over to Genesis or Deuteronomy chapter 32. Many, so many of these emotions I'm going to talk about, they are dangerous emotions. They are very dangerous. Okay? But they are not sinful. They are only dangerous because we have a sin nature. Okay? So for example, a gun, I don't believe is a bad thing to have a gun. I like guns. But is a gun not a dangerous thing? You know, you've got to be careful with it. Sometimes, you know, people who, you know, who have really bad problems get a hold of guns and they do really bad things. Now, what is, what's bad? The gun or the person? It's the person, right? And so the truth is, there are emotions that we have that I believe are not necessarily bad emotions. I think they're actually good emotions, but you put those things with a sinful person, they can be dangerous. And so that's why we've got to be careful with these things. But unfortunately, because people today are teaching that these emotions are bad, it's almost like they're stripping the humanity away from people. And they're not. These are not bad. And God actually put things in place. God set up a system so we can deal with these things in a proper way to make sure they're taken care of. And because we're not doing any of those things today, our society is falling apart as a result of it. So the first one we're going to look at is vengeance. Okay, Vengeance, it is not a sin. It is not a sin to want vengeance. Alright? You say, ah, oh, that, that's a terrible attitude. You know, if somebody does something to you, you know, you should just want, you know, good things to happen to them. Well, here's the thing. There's no way vengeance can be sinful because Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 35 says, to me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time for the day of their calamities at hand and the things shall come upon, uh, that shall come upon them Make haste, okay? God says to me belong in vengeance. Well, if vengeance is sinful and God executes vengeance, then it can't be a sin, can it? God can't sin. Alright? I believe in the impeccability of Christ. Alright? That's for Bill McGregor. Alright? I don't believe God can sin. But God does a lot of vengeance, doesn't He? God's going to one day come back to this earth and He's going to execute a whole lot of vengeance. And it's not possible for God to sin, so therefore, vengeance can't be a sin. Vengeance can't be a bad thing. Vengeance is actually a good thing. If people have done things that are bad, it ought to be dealt with. And our God is a God of vengeance. Therefore, vengeance can't be sin. Psalms 94, verse 1 says, O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongeth, O God, to whom vengeance belongeth, show thyself, lift up thyself, thou judge of the earth, render a reward to the proud. Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked triumph? How long shall they utter and speak hard things? All the workers of iniquity boast themselves. Okay? Right here he's praying, Lord, vengeance belongs to you. You know, how long are you going to let these people get away with this? It's okay for us to do that. You know, it's okay for you to pray for Don Reno to get fired. Alright? If you want to pray that, I don't believe you're sinning in praying that. I believe that's good. I think if you are, if you're just one of these people too, and you're just, you know, I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send her a card just to be a blessing, because I'm gonna bless them that curse me. You know, no, that I don't believe that's what the Bible's calling for right there. Okay, I think you're, I think you're misusing that. It is okay for you to desire vengeance, but here's the thing. Once again, it belongs to God. 
Say, vengeance belongs to God. You know, so why can't I do something about it? Well, because you have a sin nature. You have a sin nature, and you're probably going to do the wrong thing. Because, I mean, you know, what would I do in that situation? I would go tackle Donna Reno. I would handcuff her, and I would throw her in jail. You know, why would you do it? Because that's vengeance. That's what she did. All right? And I'd probably be a little rougher. I'd probably, I'd probably take it a little too far. You know, I don't know that what I would do would actually be appropriate in that situation. Alright? But at the same time, it's okay for me to want vengeance. But here, but we've got to understand that vengeance belongs to God. But people today, they've got this attitude, you know, how dare you want vengeance? Why shouldn't we? Okay? It's okay as long as we leave vengeance in the right place. But guess what? Not all vengeance belong, or all vengeance belongs to God, but did you know that God has actually delegated some vengeance to human government? All right, and I'll show you that here in a little bit. Look at second first let's go to second Peter before we go there in second Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter three. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But it says in verse seven Says, but the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not we're ignorant of this one thing: that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises; some men count slackness. But His long suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. When He's saying the Lord is not slack, He's saying that because the people are thinking. The Lord's taken too much time to execute vengeance on the earth. These people, they want vengeance. They, and they understood it belonged to God. And they're wanting to God to pour out His wrath and to carry out vengeance. But then he says in verse 10, says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Look at this. Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God when the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. We're supposed to be looking for that day and hasting on it. We are supposed to be excited about the day when God comes back and pours out His vengeance on this earth. Pours out His wrath to get vengeance. We're supposed to be looking forward to that. That is a godly desire for us to want vengeance because vengeance is a godly thing. God carries out vengeance, but we got these weak passive people today. They want to act like that if you want vengeance, it's a bad thing. If you're going to try to get this police officer fired, it's a bad thing. You know, how dare you call that police station up and you know tell them that they, you know, they're sorry, police force. You know, and how dare you you post something on Facebook against them? How dare you send them an email? Why would we not do that? It's okay. For us to want vengeance. And as I said before, there is some vengeance that God has delegated out to man. That man is supposed to take care of. That man is supposed to deal with. And, but see, here's the thing. When it comes to vengeance, there's structure to it. And this structure is there in place, once again, because we have a sin nature. Therefore, we have rules. Okay? And this is why I think sports is a good thing. All right. I personally, and I'm not like a fan of watching sports and all that, but I like playing sports. 
I think it's good for kids to play sports. There's some great life lessons that you can learn in sports. And here's one of the things that's great about sports. It's a way that you can defeat someone. You know, it's you against them, and you go against them, and you beat them. And here's another great thing. If you get beat, you know what you can always do? You can always have a rematch and play again, and you can get vengeance, right? But here's the thing. When you're playing in a sport, it is. You know, there's winners and there's losers. The losers can always get a chance to get recompense and to try to beat them back, all right? You know, when I was a kid, you know, I mean, whatever it played, whether it was ping pong or football or basketball, you know, there was always that, you know, vengeance. If you got beat, let's play again. You know, best out of three. You know, why? Because you want to get vengeance. You want to get them back. But here's the thing. There's rules in sports, aren't there? There's rules, all right? Hey, if you want to, if you, if you're, if you want to beat them, you've got to do it according to certain rules. And in many of those sports, too, you know, they have referees there. Why? Because sometimes people get out of line. You know, how many times have you all been watching an uh, NBA basketball game and a player foul a guy and he... Tell the ref, he tells the ref to blow the whistle. Uh, excuse me, ref, I fouled that guy. You know, can you let him shoot some free throws? All right? Do they ever do that? No. That's not how it is in sports, okay? What do they always do? They just naturally act like they didn't do it. You know, even if they know they did it. And that's just kind of how we are. Because we have that sin nature, we need referees in place. We need some structure in place. And sports, I mean, it is. It's just kind of a, it's, there's great life lessons that you can learn from that. You learn you got to play by the rules. You know, you learn, to, it's, it's a way you can kind of get some of that aggression out. It's a way you can experience some vengeance and things like that. There are some great things with that. If it's football, there's a, you know, it's a way that you can just go clobber somebody and not necessarily get in trouble as long as you clobber them according to the rules, you know. No face masks, no horse collars, you know, things like that. You know, you're allowed to do those things. Boxing is another way. You can go beat somebody's face in and not get in trouble as long as you follow certain rules, as long as you have that referee there. And in life, sometimes there is some vengeance that God has actually given to man to deal with. But that is also structured. And that, my friends, is why we have human government. That is why God gave government. God said back in Genesis, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. Okay, But I'm not supposed to just go do that. We've got a system in place. We've got people in place. We have a process because we understand that we are sinful people and because we might take things too far, we might do things unjustly, but God has told us to deal with these things because when that happens, if somebody... You know, if somebody murders somebody in your family, you're going to want vengeance. You're going to want to find out who did it, and you're going to want to be dealt with. That is a godly attitude. And you know what? You're going to be angry. You are going to have wrath. And wrath and anger are not sins. Okay? Look, at, look at Romans 1 and verse 18. Romans 1 and verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, and unrighteous the men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So if wrath is a sin, then how come God has wrath all the time? Do we not constantly read about God's wrath? Do we not believe there's a day coming when God is going to pour out His wrath on this earth? We know that God is angry with the wicked every day. There are, there's verse after verse after verse in the Bible where it says that God is angry, where it talks about God's wrath. Therefore, wrath and anger cannot be sin. Alright? But I know what you're thinking. 
James 1. Let's go over to James chapter 1 and look at verse 19. James chapter 1 and verse 19 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Okay, now if that means it's a sin to be uh, wrath is a sin, why would it say be slow to wrath? You know, why doesn't it say be slow to murder? Or, or be slow to steal? If you're going to steal, take your time, make sure you know who you're stealing from, and then, you know, it's justified. No, here's, wrath is not a sin. But look what it says in verse 20, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. See, wrath in our hands is very dangerous because of our sin nature. But we are commanded to be angry and sin not. If you've got the anger, that is not a sin. You are not wrong for being angry. There is not something wrong with you. You are not being unchristlike. It is Christ-like to be angry because Jesus got angry a lot. That It is being godly to be angry. But the thing is, our sin nature puts us in a dangerous position, so we have to be very careful. And that's why we have to put we've put these things in place. We have put the human government in place because I'm in a rage right now. You know, somebody kills my wife, somebody kills one of my kids, alright? I'm gonna be ready to go out and get the guns and start shooting everybody I think might did it. You know, I, I don't know what I'm gonna do in that situation. The wrath of man, my wrath is not necessarily going to work the righteousness of God. So you know what? God, to whom vengeance belongeth. I'll show you the Scriptures. He actually gave some of these things over to man to deal with. Look at um, look what it says in Proverbs. Let's turn over to Proverbs 6 first. Proverbs 6. Because remember, God instituted the death penalty. God put the death penalty in the hands of man. God commanded man to put certain people to death. And look what it says in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 32 it says, But whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. A wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. For jealousy is the rage of man. Therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not regard any ransom. Neither will he rest content, though thou givest many gifts. You know what that's saying right there? It's, it's warning people against adultery. Listen, if you're a man and you commit adultery with another man's wife, first off, I mean, you're hurting your own soul. It's a wound and dishonor. You're making yourself look bad. And guess what? Her husband's not going to appreciate it. Why? Because jealousy is the rage of man. And by the way, it's not a sin to be jealous. The Lord our God is a jealous God. The Lord whose name is jealous. Jealousy is not a sin. Jealousy is appropriate. And if a man commits adultery with another man's wife, says he will not spare in the day of vengeance. Why is that? Well, because back in the Bible days, they had a law and you put people to death for committing adultery. And if that man comes along, he's not. you think he's going to just let that go? Hey, you can give him many gifts. Hey, you know, let me off this thing. You know, tell him it was okay. Or whatever. No, he's not going to do that. You know why? Because this man's in a rage. And he's going to want you put to death. And that was a law they had. You know why? Because death appeases wrath. You say, well, that's a bad attitude. Well, tell that to God who said, for the wages of sin is death. It was God who said that. The wages of sin is death. And you know what? You ought to just thank God that He allowed the death of His Son 
to appease His wrath and not our death. Thank God for that. But understand that death, it often appeases wrath. And, you know, it's normal and permissible for us to want justice. Because, you know, people are looking at the situation where, you know, they're wanting to get this woman fired for attacking soldiers and stuff. And, like, you, know, you don't have a very Christian attitude. Let's look at the Apostle Paul. Right? The Apostle Paul, in Acts chapter 16, verse 34, says that when he had brought them to his house, this is after the story of the, the jailer that got saved. You know, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, now shall be saved. And then after they get saved, so they brought him to his house and set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And when it was day, the magistrate sent the sergeant saying, let those men go. Okay, These guys got the hint after God got them out of prison. After God sent an earthquake, after God loosed the chains from them, they're like, you know what? We better leave these guys alone. We better leave these guys alone. So you know what they did? In pure government fashion, they were going to let's sweep this thing under the rug. Let's pretend this thing never happened. So they're saying, let these men go. And the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. He said, hey, they said you can go. You better go. Look at what Paul said. But Paul said unto them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison. And now do they thrust us out privily? Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. You know what he's saying? We're not going to let this go. Hey, these guys broke their own laws. And they're just wanting to act like this didn't happen. Hey, let them come get us themselves. That's what Paul said. So you don't want to say these, you know, these people because they want justice because a police officer broke a law and the way they arrested that woman, the way they treated her, they threw her in jail. And you know what they're going to want to do after all this? They're just going to want to sweep it in a rug. They'll probably, you know, probably drop the charges, act like nothing happened. That's what they're going to want to do. And you know what? I'm the, I, you know, this isn't me. It's not my church. But you know what? As somebody who's watching this thing, I want more than that. I want to see somebody's head roll because of that. I mean, they went, they humiliated that woman. I mean, it's humiliating getting arrested like that, getting tackled like that, getting handcuffed, thrown in a police car, having to spend the night in jail. That's humiliating. That was wicked what they did. You know what? If they want to say, you know what? We're not going to let you just drop this. We're not going to let you just act like nothing happened. We want to see a head roll. You humiliated us openly. And you know what? You, if you want to sweep this under the rug, forget it. We're not going to let it happen. Is that not exactly what Paul did? It sounds like Paul wants some vengeance here. It sounds like Paul wants vengeance. Let's keep reading and look what it says. Um, verse 38, and The sergeants told these words unto the magistrates. Look at this. And they feared when they heard that they were Romans. Because all of a sudden, these idiots, these dumb, uneducated people didn't know what they were doing like the stupid cop who didn't know the law, didn't even realize she was breaking the law. All of a sudden, after it's all went down, they start looking at the law like, yeah, you know what? We weren't supposed to beat these guys. We took the law into our own hands. These guys were Romans. They had certain rights. We have a certain process and we didn't follow it. And so you know what? Now they're scared. And let me tell you something. People like Don Reno, she should be shaking in her boots. I don't know if she is. If we had a godly government, she would be. She would be shaking in our boots. You know, I hate to think that the Roman government back then was better than our government. But even these people who basically did the exact same thing, maybe they took a little farther, beating them with whips. They, they were scared. 
They were scared of their own Roman government. And let me tell you about these pathetic excuses, these Fox News Baptists that always just want to go along with the government and everything and have this attitude of, you know, they just should have listened. They should have just obeyed. These people are, they're too stupid. They don't even know the laws. They don't even know how things work in our country. And they want to act like, you know, they just need to have a godly attitude and turn the other cheek. You know what? No, they ought to do what they're doing. They ought to keep acting like the Apostle Paul did. And they don't, and these Fox News Baptists that want to support our government, these preachers that are out there making videos telling them to go out and vote, you know, vote Republican, we got to do all this stuff. These people are so clueless, they don't even realize that our government is worse than the Roman government at that time. They all read these stories where the Apostle Paul is standing up against the Roman government, and they're like, good for Paul. You know, good for him for saying, oh, even when they took him and they beat him and, you know, almost killed him, he went back, what did he do? He preached again. But then, when somebody gets arrested in our country for going out and preaching the gospel, well, they should just listen. Not even realizing, according to the, it's clear in the Bible, our government's worse than the government of that time. These Fox News Baptists, they don't even realize they're just a bunch of sellouts. They're a bunch of pilots, is what they are. They're a bunch of Pontius Pilots, is what these are. They're good for nothing. They're worthless. You know, it, unfortunately, it must be a rare thing to see soul winners today. It must be a rare thing the way some people react to it. But you know what? It didn't used to be a rare thing because these lazy, good for nothing Fox News Baptists, they just, they won't do anything. They're not out there. They're not doing anything. You know, they could pass a law in most of these places, banning soul winning, and it wouldn't change one thing in most of these towns. It wouldn't change a single thing. Most Baptists wouldn't even notice that it happened because they're not doing anything about it. But I'm showing you right there, our government's worse. Do you, I mean, I'm, I'm afraid that these people probably aren't scared. I'm afraid the Chandler Police Department probably isn't scared. You know why? Because our government's worse than the Roman government. At least these people who, they violated due process with the Apostle Paul, they were scared when they found out. They tried to do a cover up and Paul wouldn't let them do it. And it says in verse 39, and they came and besought them and brought them out and desired them to depart out of the city. So they did. They finally ended up leaving. And But at the same time, Paul's like, you know what? You're going to do it yourself. And so they did. They publicly, the leaders had to go and escort these men out of the city that they had beaten, that they had put in prison. And you know what? I believe it was embarrassing for them when they did that. Paul at least got to humiliate these people. I don't believe that he was succeeded in getting them justice but he was at least able to humiliate them. And you know what? If all they get to do is humiliate Don Reno, I, you say, well, that's not very Christian-like. Well, it's very Apostle Paul-like. And he was a pretty good Christian that uh, most Christians put in pretty high regard. And so, it is, it's normal. It's permissible for us to want justice. And when man fails to follow God's instructions when it comes to dealing with sin... There are severe consequences. Okay, When we do not follow God's plan, when our government does not follow God's plan, the consequences are severe. For example, rapists, when they are not dealt with properly, you know what they do? They rape again, don't they? Because we as a society, we do not put these dogs down, what happens? Someone else gets hurt. Because of our wicked government. That's how wicked our government is. When we don't follow one of God's laws, somebody suffers as a result of it. You know, and, and here's the thing too. 
You know, people are always wondering, alright? And we were just talking about this the other night. So you have somebody that's married to a wicked person that's committing adultery. Alright? What is that person supposed to do? Well, a lot of people are today are saying, you know, the Rucktards, well, they can get divorced. Just, you know, let them get divorced, remarry and all that. But the Bible's very clear that if you remarry, you know, after you've, after you have divorced someone, if that person is still alive, you're committing adultery. That's what the Bible says. Alright? And people are like, well, what are we supposed to do? Because we don't put adulterers to death. You see, in the Bible times, that wasn't a problem. If somebody committed adultery, you could put them to death. Well, guess what? Now that spouse, other spouse is free to remarry, aren't they? They're no longer bound because death did them part. So what do we do when our government does not follow that law? Let me tell you what we do. We suffer for it. People suffer. There are innocent victims. And you, and you say, how is it? Because now that person is stuck. If they get remarried, they're committing adultery. Well, that's not fair. No, it's not fair. Just like it's not fair that people get raped again after we let a rapist out. It's not fair. It is a sick, twisted, perverted society that will not put the people to death that God commanded us to put to death. It is a sick society and we are making people suffer and we are actually causing more adultery. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 31. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 31. I don't have my notes. Let's look it up. It says, It has been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. Okay, and fornication and adultery are different. I'm not going to. I've preached on that before, but it says they cause her to put, uh, commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. So how is you putting away your wife, causing her to commit adultery? Because I don't personally believe that divorce itself is adultery. For there to be adultery, you have to have been physical with someone else. We'll turn over to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Because it says he, he's causing her to commit adultery. Because you see, the problem is during Jesus' time there, you know, the Pharisees, they had kind of made it in a way where they were just letting people get divorced for whatever they wanted. And that was not a part of God's plan. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 7.15. It says, But if the unbelieving depart, okay, if you're married to an unbelieving spouse, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. So it's saying right here, if, you have, if you're married to someone who's lost and they want to leave, let them leave. You know, you're not called under bondage. In other words, you can let them leave. However, though, it's all, and we're not going to read this whole passage, if you remarry... You're committing adultery. That's what the Bible teaches. So how is divorcing someone causing them to, put it, to commit adultery? Because chances are they're going to want to get married again. Because you know, Chances are, the Bible says it's better to marry than to burn. That's talking to single people, but here's the thing. If you've been divorced, and you, you know, you're probably going to burn too. And, the Bible, and so the thing is, when you do, if you just divorce someone, if my wife leaves me, okay, I mean, I can't stop her. 
in our government today. There's really nothing I can do about it. I can't stop her from doing that. But now if I get remarried, I'm committing adultery. So you're just going to stay single for the rest of your life? If I'm doing the right thing. But you know what? It's going to be really hard to do the right thing. That is a very tempting situation. And chances are, I'll probably end up doing like most people. I'll do a Kent Hovind and, you know, and just give up and just make up my own rules. I don't think, I'd like to think I wouldn't do that, but I don't know. Alright? I don't want to ever get myself put in that position. I don't, I don't want to find out what I would do. But you know what? Most people end up marrying again. And you know what? The Bible says it's adultery. So we're causing them to commit adultery. And our society is so messed up. It is so wicked. We have, we have violated so many of God's laws. Whenever adultery happens, what, what our society does only causes more adultery. That's all it does. Because often, if the wife does forgive the man, the man ends up doing it again. And if the wife doesn't forgive the man and they get divorced, they both end up going and marrying somebody else. Now they're both committing adultery. If we just did what the Bible says and put the guilty party to death, then he's never going to do it again and she's free to get remarried and it's not adultery. So, well, if we did that, you know how many people we'd be putting to death? Only a few. I'm serious. Only a few. If if the adultery had the death penalty, you know, people aren't going to be doing that as much, unless they're just a full blown reprobate. Because a reprobate, you know, they just don't care. They don't worry about consequences. You know, unless they're a full blown reprobate, most people aren't going to do it. But yet it runs rampant in our society and it destroys homes. It destroys lives. It creates more sin. And I'm sorry, just because we're not following one of God's laws in the Bible does not give us permission to break more of God's laws. But I will say, when we do not follow God's laws, people suffer. And people are suffering today because we don't put adulterers to death. Because we don't put perverts to death. People are suffering Sin is abounding. Our society is going down the toilet. Diseases are spreading. And people can say, you're mean. How dare you think an adulterer should be put to death? Well, you know what? You know, how dare you allow a lifestyle that's creating diseases that different people are, you know, the innocent people are getting? You know, you don't like homos being put to death. Well, I hope you like AIDS. Because a lot of people are going to die from that and it's not just going to be homos. So the thing is, the people who are against any type of vengeance, these are the sick people. These people are messed up. This is not godly. It is godly. It is appropriate for us to want vengeance, for us to have anger. Some things ought to make you mad. Okay? If I go up and I slap your wife, you should not just, "Ah, you know, honey, you just need to turn the other cheek. I'm sorry. I I would not give you any credibility as a man if you did that right something should well up inside of you and you know there should and something should happen i in that case i should get hit back i didn't slap you in the cheek i slapped your wife in the cheek she can turn the other cheek and then you know you can turn my head around if i do something like that that that's that's the way it ought to be but so our our society it's it's sick it is it is a sick society and because of that, people are suffering. And so wrath and anger, these things cannot be sin because God has wrath. God is angry all the time. But because we have a sin nature, God has actually set up a system for taking care of vengeance, 
for appeasing wrath and taking care of anger, and we're supposed to follow that. And sadly, our messed up government is getting away from it, and we're just telling people, you just need to get over it. You just need to get over it. Just trying to strip... The, you, know, you know, the only way we're going to be able to get over that is to drug ourselves up. And isn't that exactly what people are doing today? Just taking drugs to... Get, you know why? Because they've got this rat built up. And I'm sorry, you know, it, it, it would... People, like, you know, to me too... All right, now, I'm not an official 9-11. I don't believe the official story of 9-11 and everything. All right, but if, if Bin Laden did 9-11, if he orchestrated that from his cave, which is pretty impressive... If he did that, alright, and our government said he did it, listen, when they caught him and they killed him, they should have let the American people see the bodies. But what did they do? They gave him that private funeral at sea. And you know what? I don't know that it was for a cover-up. I think it's because they didn't want to offend any Muslims. But listen, if that man is guilty of killing thousands of Americans... And starting an event that led us into a war that had thousands more Americans killed, should we not be allowed to see his shot up body? We absolutely should be able to see that type of thing. That's why in the back in the day they did public executions. It, they do that to appease the wrath of society because people used to get mad when somebody got murdered. That used to, that used to cause some rage and some anger and people needed to see him hang. They needed to watch them hang by the neck and watch their feet try to run in the air and all that kind of stuff. They needed to see that. They said, that's a nasty attitude. I'm sorry, that's not a nasty attitude because God wants to see that. It was God that said, for the wages of sin is death. It was God that even allowed His own Son to die in our place to appease His wrath. And it was a horrible death that His Son died. Oh, a horrible death. And so for us... To want to see somebody hang who's murdered somebody, that's not, that's not a sick, twisted thing. That is actually us wanting justice. And just real quickly, uh, you know, I want to deal with this too. Another thing we've got to understand, and this is, uh, this is not something that is an attribute of God like vengeance, wrath, and anger, but look, even things like sexual attraction, okay? That is also a normal thing. It is, that's, that itself is not necessarily a sin, but is it not dangerous? Do we often get in trouble because of that attraction? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18. The Bible says, Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. And then when we get to chapter 7, he says, Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman, nevertheless to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. And I preached a message about this a couple of messages a while back, flee fornication, get a wife. And I'm just repeating this to show that the physical attraction that there is between a male and a female, that is not a sin. Okay? But it is dangerous. Why? Because we have a sin nature. So guess what? God also puts certain structure in place. You know what it is? It's called the home. God said, hey, listen, it's better to marry than to burn. If you have that desire, God doesn't condemn us for thinking that way or feeling that way. God actually did make us that way. He didn't make us with the sin nature, but He made us to have that physical attraction and that, that sin nature, it can get us in trouble if we're not careful. So you know what we do? We put certain checks and balances in place. 
we have certain rules that we follow. One thing you do, and it goes through in detail on there, you get married. You get married, you have a husband and wife, and marriage is honorable and all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. And then even after you're married, there are certain rules you ought to have. You know, I'm not going to go be alone with other women. There are certain things that I'm not going to do because of the fact, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not a homo. I'm not a eunuch. Alright? I, you know, I am a, you know, a red-blooded man. So you know what? That's not a sin in itself. But you know what? So I've got to put certain safeguards in my life. I shouldn't, you know, watch certain things. I shouldn't go certain places. I shouldn't be around certain things. There is a structure in place. But it's like today, you know, you got moms and dads, they're all worried about their, you know, boy because, you know, you know, they caught him looking at a girl or something. Well, you know, this is where you got to teach them some discipline. This is where you got to teach them some self-control. These things are normal. It's part of them growing up. They've got a sin nature that's dangerous. You know, you got to prepare them for some of these things. You've got to let them know, hey, here's what the rules are. All right? Hey, you want a woman, son? All right, fine. Here's how you get a woman. First of all, you know, you need to grow up. All right, you know, you need to go learn something. You need to finish some school. And you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to learn how to work. You're going to have to go out and get a job. You're going to have to be able to provide for her. If you marry her, she's your responsibility. You've got to pay for all her stuff. You've got to pay for all her hair care supplies and all her food and, and her clothes. and all. all. You've you got to take care of all that stuff. Hey, they ain't cheap, folks. Trust me, i got one. They ain't cheap. All right? <laughs> and, but the thing is, if you want it, there are certain things that you've got to do first. And we've got to learn to teach people these things. But what do we have young people today doing? You know, they just find a girl they like and they just want to jump in the sack immediately. And that causes a lot of problems. It causes a lot of heartache. And so all these things that are often associated negatively, people act like these are negative things, they're bad things. All these things we're talking about, these are not bad things. These are normal things. It's a part of who we are. But because we have a sin nature, we've got to understand they, they can be dangerous and so we've got a process in place. There is a certain structure that we have and we need to follow these things. And when it comes to that physical attraction, you better follow some rules. You know, guys and girls, you better be careful. You know, you better, you better do things the right way. You want, you want to get married. When it comes to the things in our society, that because we live in a sinful society, there's going to be murders. There's going to be thefts. There's going to be crimes that are committed. And we can't just let people take the law into their own hands because of the fact they have a sin nature, they might get in trouble. So what do we do? We've got a process. We've got a government. We've got a set of laws that people are supposed to follow. And when they don't follow those laws, they ought to be dealt with. We should want them to be dealt with. We have these things for a reason. We have these laws for a reason. They are there to help our society. And when somebody breaks those laws... It is appropriate for you to want justice and to try to get justice and to pray for justice and to pray for vengeance and to be angry. These things are okay as long as we keep it where it belongs. Vengeance is okay if we keep vengeance where vengeance belongs. Just like the physical relationship is okay if we keep it where it belongs. And wrath, anger, are okay if we keep it where it belongs. Those are dangerous things, but they are also they are they are good things. And don't let these just passive, 
you know, these pathetic Fox News Baptists, you know, don't let them make, think, make you think you're bad because you see stuff, you see injustice, and you get angry. And you want justice. That is okay. That is normal as long as we keep it in its place. As long as we follow the laws and follow the structure that God set up. I believe, I believe you're actually being godly in that situation. When you, we should feel the way that God feels about things. That's being godly. And we should want what God called for when things happen. That's what we should want. That's God. He said, well, what about forgiveness and all that stuff? We are allowed to do that when it comes to our own personal life. If you personally do something to me, I have the right to forgive you. But as a society, I don't have the right to forgive something that somebody else has done to you. Somebody goes out tonight and they, they commit some crime against Brother Lonnie. I don't have the right to go and say, you know what, I forgive them. We're going to let it go. I don't have the right to do that. And I'm not a good Christian if I do that. I'm just an idiot if I do that. Now, he can do that if he wants to. He can do that if he wants to. He can tell the police, you know what, I'm not going to press charges. He can do that. But we, as the rest of us have no right to do that. And we ought to be ready to go. And then sometimes they'll do it. The police are like, hey, would you like to, do you want to press charges? They can't do anything unless you press charges. And they'll ask, hey, do you want to press charges? And they're ready to go. They're ready to take these people to jail. They're ready to deal with these people. That's how we should be as a society. And that is godly. That is appropriate. And so I hope this was a help. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank You so much for Your Word. And I pray, Lord, that You'll help us to learn from these things. I pray we will feel the way about things that You feel. I pray that we'll have a desire for vengeance in its proper place and wrath and anger uh, in its proper place and all these things, Lord. I, I, I pray, Lord, that You'll help us to... Uh, have the right attitude. I pray we won't fall for this foolishness that's being pushed today that's basically just stripping the humanity away from people and just allowing wickedness and perversion to run rampant. But you'll help us just get back to a godly society that's uh, Bible-based. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's